coming up. It's just incredible. <laughs> like, because it's both really, really bad, but it's also, like, just incredibly genius and one of my favourite things ever. week Scott gave into temptation and dropped Destiny's Child for Kylie's spinning around. Bless me father for I have sinned but Liam resisted the urge and kept Madison Avenue's Don't Call Me Baby. We all sort of thought it was coming. None of us were surprised that it happened given the build-up that it got. We have had numerous people getting in touch to say what they feel about it. But Scott, how have you felt across the week? I know there's been some Kylie developments in your household. Well, my wife had to sit down with me and explain that, you know, it's fine to like Kylie because she knows that I was such a Danny <laughs> like a fan. Child. Yeah, so there was a conversation about that and she's like, you can still really love Kylie and it doesn't compromise your love for Danny and it doesn't take away the dance tracks that she's had out and all of that. So there was that conversation, so I feel a bit better about that. But um, the biggest kind of thing is, it is an earworm, it's been in my head loads, yeah. but I really, really wish that 16-year-old Scott had just stopped and noticed more than the hot pants. I'm really, you know, I knew the track was a jam, I didn't go out of my way to listen to it, there's a chance on the radio I might have flicked or something like that, but I really wish now I'd have heard what I hear today when I listen to it and all of the different layers of it. It's smart and I felt stressed last week about the shift in it with Destiny's Child, but now I feel like it's just by far a clear, correct decision. Yeah, and, and obviously I didn't pick it. I know. I went for Madison Avenue, <laughs> and we'll touch we'll touch upon that really soon. It, I mean, that that choice was difficult. I think the one that I've got today is also very difficult. Yeah, because we, we know what's we know what's coming, so mm-hmm. we'll 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 get to that. Um, I, I love the idea of like the conversation you have as a kid, like you know the birds and the bees, like so. Come on, come and sit down. We'll chat about all the important things, you know relationships and sex and whether you can like Kylie or Danny or not and it's uh-huh. just, I know. it should be part of the curriculum shouldn't it I know considering oh. when Kylie or when Danny was in Home and Away Danny scared me because she was too gothic in like the 80s that was weird she was very boy George-ish which was actually probably just really <laughs> cool and I couldn't see it but she scared me because she was different and weird uh, we have had a brilliant voice note from Rebecca, who is, of course, as we all know, the queen of the podcast because she's part of the reason it exists. <laughs> she got in touch because, and I would never have really guessed this because I've known her for about, like nearly eight years now. I never would have guessed that she was a massive Kylie fan. But as she explains here, she is. And she's always been that way because of family. My dad has always been a fan of Kylie. Might have something to do with the hot plants. But he took me and my mum to see her in 2008 at the Newcastle Arena on the X tour and the only vivid memory I have is of her riding up this fuck off massive glitter ball that lifted over the crowd and I mean that's it's just iconic that is just iconic and you know what she's got bangers after bangers and I think all you have to do is listen to I think it's a step back in time album which she released last year it's got like 40 songs of just her greatest hits and it's amazing. She punched breast cancer in the tits. She's got a bed and curtain range. I only know of this because my gay Australian uncle showed me. 
and she's got a glasses line at Specsavers, which I indulged in last summer by buying two pairs of glasses because they're cute and I love her. I've got a PS. Because I collect vinyls of my favourite albums, if anybody can direct me to where I can buy her 2001 album Fever from, which doesn't cost an absolute fucking fortune, that would be grand. And PSS, I had to Google what the fandom name for Kylie is, and it's apparently Lovers, which I think is a bit lame. But I also found out that Take That fans are called Fatters, which I think should be aptly named Twatters. We stan a queen who has their own bed and curtain range. I mean, who else? Like, has Danny Minogue got a bed and curtain range? I don't think so. Danny Minogue has her own clothing range for short people because because her and Kylie are both really really short what happens is for short people there was always a compromise about the width of the trouser leg oh I know I bloody know that yeah whereas Danny's created this whole thing about she's she's customised clothes specifically for short people so she's got this like little petite brand it could be called petite something I don't know but yeah so she's done that but you know who doesn't want to roll around on Kylie's sheets? I don't know. <laughs> no comment. We've also had an email from Samantha who has listened to our show this week whilst out on her daily walk. And she says, as always, very enjoyable. I was 18 in 2000. So lots of great memories attached to this time period. There really hasn't been a period like it in music since. I'm now in my late 30s and I couldn't name a single song in the top 10 and would probably struggle for even the top 40. On behalf of the Backstreet Boys fans everywhere, though, I would like to say thank you for acknowledging the fact that they have never split up. It's a massive misconception that they split up for a few years after Kevin left, when the truth is they never have. They also have toured and released, released albums regularly since they started 27 years ago. I do also think you absolutely missed a trick not picking Blink-182 a few weeks back. I don't think you gave them enough credit for what they've actually achieved in opening the door for so many pop rock and pop punk bands to make it to the charts. I'm mainly a pop fan, but like a varied mix, and this has helped me rediscover some real unforgotten gems. Looking forward to seeing where this ends up and who will be crowned. Mm, me too. I do, I do agree with the Blink-182 thing, really. Oh, you know, man. I think is, is there going to be a week where I don't get slagged off for something? It's not that. It, you know, we, we did discuss... You know, we, we did overanalyze it and we did exactly what people didn't at the time. You know, people jumped with Blink-182 and went for it. Yeah. And, you know, there was attitude. I think, you know, the parodiness of it was quite difficult. And, you know, like, we, we they were brilliant. You know, they were really, really good. It was really, really important. But oh, it's, such a, it's such a hard one. And we're going to, we're like, you know, I think really, you know, actually... We haven't made, you know, we're still so new to this. We haven't made any major, major, major whopping mistakes. You know, we could really make a mistake next year yeah. that just haunts us for the rest of the, the podcast seasons. You know, I, I think that's, yeah, that's what I'm terrified about. We're so early in. There's still like nine yeah. and a half years to go. And I'm really mm-hmm. terrified that all that's going to happen is I'm going to make one slip up somewhere. And that's me like, that's me out of the game forever. But yeah, all of a sudden, Jay Sean's going to be our number one. (laughs) (laughs) I can promise you that's not going to happen, but there you go. (laughs) So coming up on today's show, we are still in July 2000. We've got an enormous radio hit from a superstar gone too soon and the humble beginnings of one of Britain's biggest alternative bands. We've also got a double single with two wildly different pop tracks and something pretty heavy from a box office smash. We've got the best performing single from an eternal star and the signature hit from Ireland's iconic pop rockers but first we need the real slim shady to get up off his lazy arse 
Okay, so a few weeks ago we had Dr. Dre and it was him kind of presenting his prodigy, wasn't it? It was him kind of putting forward the fruits of his labour. Look what I've got, look what I've done. It was the crufts of hip-hop. <laughs> Very much the cruft of hip-hop. And what, what kind of dog would Eminem be? Like a big slobbery <laughs> Rottweiler? No, I'm kind of thinking secretly he's a he's a really like sexy pink poodle. Like you know, like maybe a you know, like a baby pink poodle, really groomed, thinking it's badass, but actually it's a big softy really. Mm. Maybe on the basis of this track and its content, he should be taken to the pound. This is Eminem and the real Slim Shady. I'm Slim Shady, yes, I'm the real shady. All you other slim shadies are just demotating. So won't the real slim shady please stand up? Please stand up, please stand up. Cause I'm slim shady, yes, I'm the real shady. All you other slim shadies are just demotating. So won't the real slim shady please stand up? Please stand up, please stand up. So this was the lead single from the Marshall Mathers LP, the mm-hmm. 14th UK bestseller of 2000, and pretty much a track that made everybody start dressing like him, really, wasn't yeah. it? It was a bit strange. People dyeing their hair blonde, wearing the unbuttoned shirts, just having a bad attitude towards everything and everyone. <laughs> I know. It was so strange because I remember it being so, so big at the time. And I think one of the reasons why I listened to it is it's actually probably a bit more R&B than hip hop. Um, with the way that it's produced but I find it really interesting and one of my favourite parts of it is the fact that Kathy Griffin's in the music video mm. to it she's the, the nurse on the reception with the can I have your attention please and uh, I love Kathy Griffin I think that she's pretty special she's, she's really, really scary She's well she is scary she's like she's confident she's loud and her voice is deep that's terrifying particularly for men because you know that's that's what your mother's like when she's in a bad mood shouting at you when you're a kid <laughs> Do you want to start? Because I feel like I, I, I don't really know where to begin. I don't really know if I'm going to step into some dodgy waters here. If I might okay. put my finger on a mouse trap at some point. Go on, you, you, you can start us off. This is a bit of a strange one because for me, this is actually, and you know what, we're saying R&B and hip hop, but really reflecting on this now at 36 and sitting working it all out, this is a total pop song for me because it's filled with all of the mainstream drama. So this, like, when I was younger... You know, if you didn't read smash hits, there was no such thing as social media. If you didn't like watch CD UK and stuff, this this song was just access to real drama that you didn't know went on in celebrities' yeah, lives. Yeah, so actually, true. what he did is he was he was a Kardashian. It's this like filled all of the gaps. You knew exactly what was going on, and you don't really realize that. And I do think that it's a very entry level track. It's yeah. very mass produced on purpose. And this again, this was built on purpose to be number one. It wasn't meant to be on the album and then they they did it at the the last minute i think it was actually it might have been the day before it to, was it was to, like it was a few hours before the album was due to be sent before. off to be you know approved. and what's really strange with that for me is that what this what this does and this is where i don't know where you're gonna go with it and i'm about right i thought you were gonna love this now i'm thinking you probably hate it but i feel like with this one the pressure's on you to have the same opinion of this as bon jovi because the creative process for me is exactly the same right if you don't like living on a prayer you can't like this one uh i I don't not like living on a prayer i just don't think it's like you know (laughs) amazing yeah okay um it takes a lot of pot shots at manufactured pop. You know, there's references to Britney here. There's some very misogynistic lyrics about Christina Aguilera. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There are some very homophobic lyrics comparing gay marriage to sex with animals. And it even doubles down in the video by kind of bursting between two gay men kissing and going blah, which is just um, the 2020 woke you know, Liam of this generation, of course, looks back at this and goes, this is despicable. And I can't see past it. 
I really can't. Wow. I, I think I've. I think we've all been conditioned over the years to just accept Eminem and just accept that he's a genius. Mm-hmm. He is this amazing legend of hip-hop he has done so much he has broken records he has transported to the masses but in terms of what he's saying and in terms of how he's delivering it and in terms of all this it's just i'm in two minds because it's the kind of thing where you bob your head and you go yeah i'm feeling this but you listen to it and it's just so i don't know i I just think it's, it's got a nasty streak that i can't really get behind it's like a grotesque bop which is like, it's got me in, really conflicted inside. See, that's really weird because that's what I thought whenever I was younger. And then whenever I've gone through it, and I think that I've misanalyzed it now the way that you're saying this, I think I've misanalyzed the homophobic part of it because mm. I remember when I was younger not liking it because I thought, he's really homophobic. And, you know, this was in 2000 and, you know, what I did not, I had never met a gay person until I'd moved to England because it was so hard in Northern Ireland to come out. I came mm. from a small town as well. So this stuff was really, and this re- this approach was really strange for me. But whenever I re-listened to it, I actually thought he wasn't being homophobic. I thought the visuals in the video looked like he was being homophobic, but I thought he was actually promoting, you know, gay relationships. And it's fine, really, because, you know... I thought so at first, but I don't think he is. So yeah, right, well, this no, has changed everything I think, for me. Cause, I think if, you, oh. if, you, if you're putting... If you're putting those two things together as a comparison and and then and, and, and again the video doubles down in my opinion it, it isn't two contrasting things i mean i might be totally wrong but that's the opinion i got and certainly the opinion that has come from understanding eminem's track record with this particular topic yeah you know he's not exactly like you know gonna win any awards from glad for uh, his treatment of of gay people no i i i, I it may be uncomfortable uh, and it, the, the whole the whole vibe of it kind of made me uncomfortable, especially the Christina stuff, especially getting Fred Durst to be in the video as well. That is found to be very insensitive. That is pretty excessive. But I think now that we've had that discussion, you've just flipped it on head for me because I am really not up for that. No, nope. really. And it was it was the year two thousand. You know, we had better role models doing stuff. And actually, if I think about this, right, you know, I've had to think about this. If you're gonna be if you're gonna be pro LGBT. You shouldn't have to question it. It should be a really clear, easy message. Yeah. And, you know, if you've got to dig around in this one, it's not a good enough message. So for me, it's not strong enough to be an LGBT ally track. It, it must be the opposite. And I'm sorry if I've, like, confused people through the, that. The, but the, the, the thing is, right, I think people, you know, hip-hop heads will probably hear this and be offended by what we've said mm-hmm. and just sing like, oh, but come on, he's a legend. It's like, no, I think you, you can respect him for the things he achieved, but also be really against how he's doing it absolutely it was look it was a number one single it's the same thing as last week it's a number one single of course we are in the wrong with this one but are we i think i feel quite strongly that this one is just it's one that we can look back on and think oh, but may, but maybe he got to that position because of what he said maybe that's his audience and maybe that audience finally got a song that they were like yeah i want to say these things too i want to be like misogynistic and homophobic and you know i don't know you do play the game especially if you're trying to sell stuff and you're trying to get people to buy into you en masse you you sometimes write and sing and perform what they want to hear it's a bit the same like you know schools and you know if you if, if the government want people to be in the army what do you do you don't just go to people that are likely to go to university and become psychiatrists or doctors you go to people that felt lost with school felt left down by a school system and then you go do you want a gun do you want to go and stand in front of people shooting at you you know you you you, you recruit specific types of people and that's what the song has done they've recruited a specific type of person mm. to sell it and maybe people that liked this song at the time felt really underrepresented and actually now it's there but sometimes i think that with music you can feel 
a little bit lost in life and sometimes you know you don't have much going on and you want to feel like a bit of a badass so you end up just going to songs that are a little bit bad and naughty because mm. it gives you some level of personality whenever you're talking to other people like i like eminem and then you know you express yourself through your clothes so then you dress like eminem and then all of a sudden you feel like you've chosen a lane yeah you know really but um like he's, do- he's done he's done better stuff and this is very much a commercial pop song that's r&b but you know you have to do that underground doesn't exist without the high level ones like the living on a prayers and the this and some of the cheesier dance music you know so mm. you know our dance music scene right now should be really grateful for sagala because sagala's getting kids dancing that are six years old and then you know they might be sitting in the weirdest european festival in they you know 15 years time <laughs> but yeah it, it's it's a, a different one for me now based on our conversation to end on a positive, I don't feel like we should have to, but given the nature of what we've said, but he's got good flow. He is a good lyricist. It's just a shame that some of it is just regrettable and I wish we didn't have to hear it, but... Yeah, it's not for yeah. us. <laughs> it's it's not for us. It's not for us in our, like, you know, blanket across the lap, tea in a flask, biscuits, in bed by 10. It's, not, it's it, you know, it, it's not for us, but... When he's spatting her onion rings in the music video and you see oh. her bite into it, I can remember just watching it on the music channel over and over again, waiting for that bit and being, like, kind of, like engrossed in it but grossed <laughs> by it and it was just it's just too much for me i don't like seeing people spit and you know if people do that because of eminem in restaurants that needed that needs to take it out now that yeah. needs to go oh i'll tell you what we'll do a big tonal shift because we've started off negative i would say let's go and do something more positive both and i imagine what we're going to say about it and also just the the vibe and the feeling of it this was the lead single from the third album of the cause and the track is called breathless So they were pretty much cemented into history in the strangest of ways and you know they had a number one and number two album at the same time which is mm. the first time in the uk that's happened since the beatles they rose to fame through the legendary irish cult film the commitments and if you've not seen it go and check Brilliant it out film. it's just love so it. weird love it, love it, love it. but the talk on corners album that was number one when the other one was at number two that debuted at number seven shifted out then they performed with Mick Fleetwood on Dreams for a St. Paddy's Day TV concert. Mm. So they then reissued the album with Dreams on it. That then got to number one. And then Todd Terry did a remix of their version of Dreams. Which then they ended up deciding let's take talk on corners make a five remix special edition of it in november 1998 and then they just ended up number one with this special edition too so it was just the strangest story and actually if you don't know the cores and you haven't listened to the cores listen to the albums because Mm. it'll just show you what things were like at the time it was just completely insane to have a number one and a number two album at the same time and like this is that's not with streaming again that's with people having to go out and spend 12 quid walk to a shop go into the shop buy that stand in a queue you know it wasn't just a double click I'm going to Apple pay this bad boy it was you've got to physically go out and do it 
like what a strange scenario but that was that was some achievement from them yeah yeah uh this was grammy nominated for best pop performance by a duo or group with vocals so there you go it's a big esteem thing to get uh-huh. uh, it was co-written by robert john mutt lange who uh, also produced for shania twain among others and it definitely has a shania vibe doesn't it this is kind it of more, really of a, does. more of an americanized sound certainly a more americanized video as well it's like shania met ireland yeah isn't it and yeah, then, yeah and then it's so good and i love the fact that, right it's a song about seduction and falling in love and mm. it's just it's still always just about the music with them and they're beautiful girls they were never overly sexualized or anything like that and you know jim jim just kind of got stuck on the end and he's really talented too but it was always about the three ladies but they weren't overly sexualized they were just amazing to look at they were just so so beautiful really so beautiful beautiful so beautiful life and plastic it's fantastic (laughs) (laughs) yeah the cause uh, the cause has stuck with me from a very early age because of the music but also that smtv sketch that always comes back of the beautiful cars we're so beautiful (laughs) and jim with a paper bag on his head yeah yeah Yeah, yeah. oh that's good per jim honestly per (laughs) per jim because you know i think i was thinking when i was watching the music videos it must be really weird being in makeup and stuff and yeah they weren't overly sexualized but you know to know that you know your your sisters beside you are being dressed up and make it make up up or make up up to you know appeal to people uh, and it's so strange to think that you know like andrea will come out in a little a little tiny top and you've got to just be kind of all right with it when yeah. really you know she's your sister it must just have been the weirdest <laughs> weirdest weirdest thing ever but generally the song was just really special at the time and you know coming off the back of a number one and a number two album simultaneously really that was big, big, big shoes to fill. Yeah, and you know, yeah, the yeah. expectation and pressure on them must have just been like intense, really. But lyrically, it's great. It's about living for the moment. The song could still work today. There's no swears in it. There's no excessive attitudes. It's just words and sounds. And the song works really, really well. It just sort of makes me gasp a little bit. It's just got that sort of like, you hear it and you go, oh, it just takes oh. you, it literally leaves you breathless. Leaves you like breathless. That, that's the effect it has. Like, it's, it's so perfect. I was reading some quotes from uh, Andrea and she says, I'll, I'll just read you the first line and it should tell you what you need to know. It was a beautiful sunny day when we wrote it. Doesn't that come across? Doesn't it feel like a sunny, summery song? It's It, it reminds me of sunshine. And I, I know whenever you're like, if, if you're not in your 30s or whatever, you'll start looking back on all of your childhood memories a lot of the time are either to extreme weather, so mostly sunny, there'll be an odd bit of snow and then there'll be rain and wind when you're stuck inside, but mostly your memories are the sunny memories. But this was one of the songs I class as being warm. It was hot. It was school holidays. You know, it was just mm-hmm. a, a really great track. And it just reminds me now that we're really due some sort of like Celtic revival right now. Yeah. You know, Irish, that Ed Sheeran song. Galway Girl. Galway Girl wasn't, wasn't enough. <laughs> but <laughs> it was... It, it, it didn't kickstart a revolution, did it? Let's face it. No, and I think we need that revolution. And, you know, the difficult... The inter- the thing is, though, with Irish people, right, compared to English people, is if you aren't the top of your game forever in England, people will be like, you're done now. You failed. Oh, you must feel terrible. Where the cores and people in Ireland would happily go to America. They wouldn't have felt the pressure, really, of this track because they'll not have had that attitude towards it. Mm. And they will have just thought, you know, if I can still be, you know, 60 years old playing in my uh, local pub, I've made it as a musician, yeah. you know, no matter how big they got. And that's their their kind of thing. Oh, it's just so nice, isn't it? Especially off the back of Eminem. It's a nice tonic. It is. I, feel, I feel cleansed. I do feel very cleansed. So we'll move on from that. Again, another tonal shift going towards just a bit more confrontational, I guess. This was the highest performing single from Louise. And the song is called Two Faced. Stop your bitching, cause you're so sad, bitching. 
fancied her so hard when I was a kid. Like, I was obsessed with Louise. Whenever she was an internal, I just, I loved her and loved her. So much so that anytime she was on the TV, my mum would call me and I had to come running because I needed to see Louise on the telly. <laughs> I was young, you know, she started out, I must have been like maybe seven, eight or nine-ish whenever she started out in Eternal. Mm. But yeah, I loved, I loved her, really loved her. That's a lead single from the third album. I didn't even realise she'd had three albums at this point. No, me neither. I, 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 di- I didn't understand the timeline of Eternal being that much earlier. Like sort of being mid-90s when she left. Yeah, and I... I thought it was much later than that for some reason. So did I. I really did as well. And, you know, this is her best performance in the UK. And I loved her track Naked which only got to number 5 um, this one got to number 3 and then you know she did in the future cover Stuck in the Middle with you Yeah, that's the one I know. Yeah, and I think that this one for me, I kind of, I always knew if somebody had said name a Louise track, I would have said those three. I would have said Naked first, Stuck in the Middle, and this would have been the third one I listed. But I was a bit surprised when I realised this was her highest performing track. Surprised as in you can't understand it or just that those tracks are better? Um, I, I was surprised because what it did is it, reminded me actually how famous Louise was. Yeah. And I I think maybe over the years because, you know, she's doing like TV programs and Saturday Kitchen and she isn't consistently on her TV, but she she chooses, she picks and chooses what she does and she's you know known for being like a kind of like an ex-wife and a mother. But you kind of forget actually how much she stood on her own two feet really. Yeah. Way before Jamie Redknapp and like how massive a thing it, it was really and how big she was as a pop star. I just I just forgot. I just really forgot. So it's a song about two faced people basically about bitching and she even says the word bitching, which to me was like, Oh, she said the word bitching. Ooh. It's just one of those <laughs> things kinda like, Oh, she said that. That's a interesting thing. She was very normal. You know, she's a kind of girl, you know if you go to like a revolution bar or something and you sit in the booth and you see a bunch of girls chatting and like venting because they've had a really hard week Louise is that girl you know she's a really she seemed like a really normal person to be in but I do I do struggle generally with the song a little bit because I think that the the hook's hard to follow the melody and the structure's a bit complex but I do remember it and it's stuck in my head so somewhere someone somewhere's worked some magic to make it work but when I'm analysing it I'm thinking this this would be hard for people to follow in this day and age and I don't think it would stick with you but the, the hooks would yeah but I think it seems like a really hard it seems like it would have been a really hard song to learn to sing you know in the recording studio whenever you're trying to piece it together mm. it, it feels like the way that it's and and the, 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 the way the melody goes and the notes and things like that it just seems like it's, it's quite a difficult one but I, I still I still watching it have all my really hyped fond memories of Louise. I really like her. Yeah, I think she comes across really well. Any suggestions as to who the song might be about? It sounds quite pointed and specific Ooh, to me. Uh, I mean, the, the, I the song know. even has fun with it in the the start and the end. Some spoken parts kind of go, "No, oh, I wonder what it's about." But, but it, it it seems specific. Is it a, is it a jab at Eternal? Possibly. Is it some management that she doesn't like? Is it just a generic song? I mean, she 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 wrote it, so you know yeah. it's got to come from somewhere. She's always been really respectful about Eternal, and there was always always rumours about what really happened there. And she never really gave the nod as to that was the case. She was always just you know like these these are my girls, 
good luck to them. I want to do my solo thing and it's not really the breakup you thought, but you know, the press yeah. really warped everybody's perception and I don't think we'll ever really know what happened there unless she is able to come out and, and, and say something different to what she's already said, but she might just be repeating herself, so she probably needs a break, yeah. really. But yeah, that, but I love the fact that she's written it. Yeah, me too. And that kind of gets it extra points to me. It doesn't stand out to me particularly, but equally, if it came on the radio, I wouldn't switch over. It's nice. That's good. Yeah. That's really good. That's good. That's good. Yeah. Tonal change number four. Uh, <laughs> this couldn't be much more different. Limp Biscuit Again, a band that I know from being young, just because I think there was a guy came over to our house one time, like a friend of a mum's friend who put on the music channels and put on whatever, like MTV2, whatever, back in the day. And uh, and it was like Linkin Park, Limp Biscuit, And suddenly my mind, my tiny little mind that only knew, <laughs> you know, bubblegum pop music, like steps and dance routines, mm-hmm. suddenly got showered at by a bunch of angry, sweaty men. This is called Take a Look Around. track from the third album chocolate starfish in the hot dog flavored water it was <laughs> grammy nominated and off the mission impossible 2 soundtrack yeah this is so strange though because you know they hadn't really had any hits in the uk by this point so to have them as the face of a soundtrack at this point mm. was pretty pretty new and i know like now that you know we can give billy eilish a bond song and she's still pretty fresh and all yeah, that kind of yeah, stuff yeah. but you know in the age of social media she doesn't have to have many songs because she might have just gone so wide in a pyramid of she's on everything she's always in your timeline whereas this timeline didn't exist back then so that was pretty advanced for them to get that so quickly really yeah totally agree and it even has the mission impossible theme tune kind of sampled within it which gives it even more credit as a soundtrack song because it's like you can't not think of the film it's a genius bit of publicity isn't it it absolutely is and i remember just at the time the first few seconds of it you were like whoa man what's this and you loved it and then you got deeper and deeper and deeper into the track and then i ended up you know being like oh the start of this is brilliant and then by the time you end and you listen to the song, actually the bigger, louder, limp biscuit parts of it are a million times better than the Mission Impossible guitar for me. And I like the louder parts, I like the heavier parts of it. And it actually makes me dislike the Mission Impossible sample because mm. it's still there throughout. But, you know, the bits that they do is just so different. Um, you know, these were are like groundbreakers, really, because we'd never had hip hop and rock music infused into one. And that's exactly what they did. And that was pretty special at the time yeah we're talking about new metal which was a interesting subgenre that combined various things and was like you said i mean fred durst we've covered fred durst because he was in eminem's video and was clearly a big pop pop culture figure this to me is categorized as like dude bro music like douche douchebag (laughs) music Um, oh no but in fairness like i did i did know this from being young so it has stuck with me and you know you go through school and you have those 
individual like the mean girls things all the different the different groups of people and you have the ones who are the the mean girls and you have the ones who are the sort of chavvy ones and you have the ones that listen to limp biscuit and wear black hoodies and you know yeah have other you know energy drinks and stuff like that a group like limp biscuit to me has always felt very in your face and offensive whereas this track is like a movie tie-in and it's really inoffensive. Yeah. It's really strange. I actually, I, 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 I agree with you. I actually think the sample's really sick, though. I think the sample works really well. But I agree the heavy stuff also works maybe even better. I was thrashing away. <laughs> and it's the kind of heaviness that I wanted from Iron Maiden. when they. And I know we, you kind of rationalized it really well and said it's a good, it's a good crossover track to get people in. Like, you're not going to get a big, heavy, heavy, thrashy yeah. track in the top 10 of the charts. So you have to kind of ease them in. This one had, had had a right level of heaviness for me. Yeah. It was it was quite it was quite thrashy and nice. Some good instrumentation. Durst is relatively angry, but I wasn't offended by it, which is kind of a good and a bad thing. I kind of want to be offended by Limp Bizkit. I feel like they want me to be offended, but not on this one in particular. I think it makes you judge how much you actually hate stuff and how critical you are of things. And I think it's actually a really positive song whenever you listen to it and it, yeah, and it, yeah. it does it's kind of like a stop being a miserable judger you know as you're as you're doing it like and i'm always i'm always big on you know look at your friendship groups and if all you have with each other in common is slagging other people off that's not a friendship group mm. that's just a whinging circle or something like that but yeah i think that like it, it kind of lifted me a bit and it does make you analyze yourself a little bit too and it's just yeah he's screaming and stuff that's the sound and that's you know that's unique that's nice that's that that's that genre but it's not my favorite Limp Bizkit track but I really love it where does Roland get to? Uh, I think Roland is a number one in the year 2001 I feel like because I had a little look oh. to see what's coming up and they, they do chart in January 2001 and I feel like they might be number one well that's right up my street yeah that is for me a much breathe bigger in, hook breathe out hands up the hands down back up back up yeah, yeah. and then that goes back <laughs> to my memories of this because I have I have memories of being out dancing to this and mm. having club nights that were around this kind of a thing on Wednesday nights and this was yeah that was I just love, and I'd still, I would still lose it to Roland right now. I really would. Before we go from Limp Bizkit to Steps, because that's going to happen, um, <laughs> can we talk about track two of the UK release of the CD? What was it? It was, it was their cover of George Michael's Faith. Take a listen to this. That exists. I knew about this before because I'm fairly sure my dad's played to me before. Uh-huh. And I was talking to my flatmate yesterday and I, I put it on and it goes, you have, to, you have to hear this, you have to hear this. And um, it's just incredible. <laughs> like, because it's both really, really bad, but it's also like just incredibly genius and one of yeah. my favourite things ever. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. If, if that was the track, like if Faith was the track that was in contention this week and not take a look around, mm-hmm. I'd be tempted to put Faith in the contender spot. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I've actually got a... I've got the red Durst Yankee cap oh dear. that I've worn several times, but actually I've got too fat for it now. And because it hasn't got the, um, you know, you have to buy it to fit your head. Mm. My head's got too fat, <laughs> so it doesn't fit. But um, I always got a wrap from my critics too. There's actually <laughs> a split second, and we're talking about the era. There's an IDTT in the video just for a split second. And I couldn't believe it when it when I noticed it. I was like, there's the TT, Jesus, man. It's probably more linked to <laughs> scenage and footage of 
Mission Impossible, I'm assuming, but, but I, I, it was there nonetheless. Non, there nonetheless. Anyway, like I said, transition. Uh, I, I mean, <laughs> I've cocked this running order so much, but we're going to go from Limp Bizkit to Steps. A double single from them. I think one needs more discussion than the other, but we'll start with the, 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 the main single. This one's called When I Said Goodbye. This is the one that, for me, if you watch the big reunion, whenever Steps were on the big reunion and there was a lot of tears being had and they were just being honest, and I remember them saying to Claire and H, you know, it just felt like we were being pushed out and everything was being given to you. And I never realised the gravity of that until I listened back to the song and then watched the video and realised three of them don't sing. Yep. And it is literally Claire and H. And it isn't a pop song. For me, it should have been on a stage somewhere because it's a theatre song, Mm -hmm. you know, and... I remembered it, which was a bit of a surprise, but it really annoyed me because I think then I got to experience the transitions of steps whenever, you know, they were shifting to Claire and H getting the lead on everything. And it's actually, it's actually making me feel really annoyed by it. Which is a shame because I said to you before we started recording that there's a artist that I'm really getting a lot of fondness for. And I feel like I was always fond of them from being a kid. Yeah. And it's always stuck with us. And I really, really like steps. I think of all the, Mm -hmm. of all the sort of, bands around now like all the sort of really cheesy pop bands i think steps are my favorite yeah and it's disappointing to hear this one it's i mean first of all i go into it kind of you know blinded because it's a ballad and it's like a sort of slow wedding song and i don't really go for those kind of songs Mm -hmm. it's their earliest single not to have reached silver in the uk wow so it's a sign that things are changing for for steps and it's funny because this era this is the 10th single from Steptacular. 10 singles from the same album, which is just like, just just, just milking it or what? Yeah. Milking it or what? That's a lot. To be fair, I do like Claire on it. I think she sounds good. I think they all look good in the video. They do. It, it's got like a they nice, do. moody, black and white Italian video. And they, they do all look really, really good and really polished. Yeah. But as you say, it's very much emphasised on two and, and not the rest. Although, Lisa is credited as main vocals in this. It's only Faye and Lee that are credited as backing vocals in this. Oh, that's devastating, that. But um, mm. I did, when I was doing the prep, my wife was in the room whenever I was watching the video for it. And uh, I did say the words, wow, Faye is smoking in this one. <laughs> and uh, it, it's, it's... I think they all are. Yeah, they, they, look, they do look yeah. great. And I think, you know, what, what's devastating for me is that they spent all the money on this one. And they, you can see that they put all of the investment into the music video for this track. And, yeah. you know, I kind of get it because I'm assuming, right, this is just completely me just rolling with it. But, you know, we've just come off the back of Deeper Shade of Blue. Yeah. So we've had the high energy. We've had the we've had the the dance routines and all of that kind of crack. And maybe they were just like, you know, if we chuck out a ballad now, we could make some money. But I really wish that they had spent the money on Summer of Love instead and turned that into a bigger experience for people somehow. Let's get into that then, because I'd much rather talk about this than when I said goodbye. This is the second single from their third album called Buzz. Uh, it's considered a change in sound, a bit more mature, leaning more towards the dance side of things. And actually, Lee said at the time that the band was starting to write and produce more, and they were looking at this as the start of a new era for Steps. So this is Summer of Love. So this is the summer of love. 
Latin vibes. Bit of a Latin infusion there yeah, for yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, even references live in Livy de Loca, uh-huh. which, you know, if, you, if, you, if you're going to do Latin, you may as well, you know, p- p- pin a notice saying, this is the biggest one around right now. We're doing that, but steps. <laughs> it's a big Balearic anthem, isn't it? It's quite glee, though, as well. I found it. It's kind of, it's kind of like a, a Balearic glee <laughs> performance. <laughs> it kind of is, yeah, and that's what's straight. You know, the weird thing is that when you listen to this, there's other people that could sing this. You know, you could... You could have somebody like Jennifer Lopez make this sound different. You know what I mean? Uh, this reminded me so much of Waiting for Tonight. Waiting for It has those sorts of vibes and obviously it's, it's the step slant and things like that there that's on it but they all sing yep. text boxes for me I I'm, I'm really don't want people to be in a band and not get the chance to, to sing unless that's their choice and that's their position in the band you know and they are like a, a Michelle Williams or they're a Victoria Beckham where yeah. it's not always you, you're, you're maybe there to bring a different tone to the, to the back in production or whatever but I like it's key I like it's vibe I think if they did this on a tour and I went and saw them on a tour, I think I would enjoy it. Yes. Um, but I wouldn't want to hear when I said goodbye on that tour. There's a bit of auto-tune in it, right? Which is just completely unnecessary. Like the auto-tune isn't... Yeah. We, we've, we've said in previous episodes, there's a skill to your auto-tune. Claire does not need auto-tune. You know, if you saw her the other day doing <laughs> it with Gary anyone Barlow, who doesn't you need don't it, need. Yeah. Absolutely not. And her and Gary Barlow, like she really, really went for it on that cover of Bradley and Gaga. And I think, you know, she doesn't even have to try. You know, yeah. with her voice... She doesn't need the auto-tune and no. it wasn't correct, but I'm still back to the budget should have gone on this one because I still think that this is unfinished and it wasn't positioned as good as it could have been. The music video wasn't as good as it could have been. It, it, you could have made so much more out of this track, really. I wonder if they feel the same. I, I, I personally just love it and I could watch the video of this for hours. I could oh, just could sit you? and watch it. I could actually, yeah. Uh... Uh, see, the the music video, right, is really, really good. It's it's It's, it's obviously... It seems to me like they've done it in the UK. They haven't chucked money at it. They've just got some dancers. They've done a routine and stuff. If you look, because they they, they have lots of frames where there's lots of dancers in it, you can see, and this is what you don't want from steps because steps are meticulous. You can see some of the backing dancers that are slightly out of time, Mm. just like a split second. It's, it's, It's not that noticeable, but I was looking for it. But, you know, sometimes normally what you'd find is the, you know if it's like um, a lead singer or a solo artist sometimes the solo artist is the one that's out of time because the, the dancers are so on it yeah, and actually yeah, yeah. The, the, the lead singer's catching up but they're behind steps there is a Top of the Pops performance which I remember and I think my happy memories of it come from the Top of the Pops and it's just the five of them on stage for Top of the Pops and I like them doing it as a five more than I like it in the music video with dancers everywhere like yeah. I just like to see the five of them do their thing it's it, it's much more warming for me if this was a Eurovision entry for the UK I think we'd do a lot better I mean obviously like politics aside and the fact that everyone hates us and rightly so this 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 could do really well especially back in the day but I think even now I think even now it could do well yeah yeah do you know what that would actually be that'd be really quite good yeah. and I think maybe that positions it quite well yeah it could be a really good Eurovision song and yeah but I still think that what that says is that really highlights how underrated this track really was I and how so, undersupported yeah. it was and I think yeah I still I think my, my point is why on earth did you just focus so much on when I said goodbye yeah I think record labels were just trying to test the waters to see if there was a sell for H and Claire don't get greedy but yeah I love Summer of Love like I, I really do I really do and I'm I, I, it, it, 
contender, maybe, maybe not. I don't know, but I just, I do, I do just love it. I do think it's really fun, and I, I just I, feel good. I enjoy it a lot. Big feel good track, and certainly it's a nice shift away from the what I consider quite self important when I say goodbye. Mm. But yeah, there's a tonal change coming up from <laughs> steps to the early beginnings of Chris Martin and Coldplay. Oh, the track's called Yellow. This was the second single from Parachute, which followed Shivers. They got to number 35. Uh, but this one was renowned as being Coldplay's breakthrough track. It yeah. got to number four in its second week. And I remember this era. I just remember when this happened mm. and watching and experiencing and listening. And it was new. Like his voice was so unique that it caused reaction, you know, and it causes emotions in you that you don't know how to describe. I don't think. If you're not very eloquent with different words for your feelings, like I am, uh, it doesn't make any sense to you what he does whenever he speaks or sings. And I think sometimes that's why he gets a lot of a bad rap, because people can't explain what he's doing to them. Yeah. But it's so, so unique. And he's just such a massive talent, really. I think he's very hypnotic. I think he just draws you in. I think there's just a certain kind of moodiness Mm -hmm. and depending on how you feel maybe like a sleepiness yeah but it's all hypnotic and it's just one of them things that you just kind of you can't help but be interested in and even people who don't like Coldplay and don't like Chris Martin still talk about Coldplay and Chris Martin they do and that's it yeah you know he, he he has made a living off this brand of being you know people love him people hate him but everyone deep down respects him because they've managed to achieve a level of success Mm -hmm. that is far beyond people who do this kind of thing normally yeah you know what i mean like you know this this kind of thing should sit further down the charts if on it at all but because of the hypnotic quality of it and I, i guess also just how deceptively simple it is i think depending on how you feel it's either really simple or really genius it's just it's just those four chords of pop that are like uh-huh. so known, but they just do something with it. And maybe it is that kind of rockier guitar hook that it breaks into mm-hmm. to go from that kind of that kind of hypnotic lull to just like a big thrash session. Um, it's a it's a weird mix, but they pull it off. Everything about this was kind of genius, really. The gist is the songs about devotion and unrequited love. It's upbeat. It's kind of men- melancholical at the same time, and it's really. A love story which started from them standing outside the recording studio at night and being inspired by the stars. And, you know, somebody cracked a joke. Chris Martin did an impression of somebody. And then they went back in and turned it into a song that was never really meant to be. And it kind of, it reminds me of Ireland. It really does remind me of living in Northern Ireland because I remember moving to England and being really confused because everything was orange (laughs) because... There was, you know, I, I was I was driving through cities and there was streetlights and the sky was just orange and you would drive from airports in the countryside to cities and you would just see everything turning orange and you wouldn't really see stars. And I, I find it really weird growing up in Northern Ireland because I would get off the Kelly's bus, which was like when we went clubbing, we would get like a coach back and it would drop me off at cost cutters and I'd walk the rest of the way home. But I can remember being really drunk and just being like, walking along trying not to be sick because I've drank too much alcohol looking up and seeing just a full sky
sky of stars and just being like this is so amazing this is so amazing yeah. I'm so lucky to live where I live and then you know there was no light pollution whereas luckily now where I live the council have changed our street lights from orange to the white ones that just glow Ooh, downwards okay. so we can now see stars and on a Saturday or Sunday night whenever I go to get the dog in from the back garden I can see stars and in fact the last two nights when I've sat on my sofa where I'm sitting right now and I look out the window I can see the same star because it's in the same place at the oh. moment and I keep mentioning it to my wife every night and I just love the story and the inspiration behind it is just so good and um it was my Coldplay were my first ever gig actually they were we've mentioned this before so was this a standout track in the in the live show as well I can imagine it probably would be um, well actually I think it must have been it must have been 2001-ish and I don't know the timeline for them but um, my best mate Simon's brother Paul and sister-in-law Bridging were going so they offered to take us up to Belfast if we wanted to buy tickets but it must have been a tour for clocks and I remember going and loving all of their songs but clocks was always about the lasers and the laser show yeah. and sounds really stupid green lasers weren't really a thing so everybody was completely taken aback nightclubs mm. didn't even have lasers mm. and we went to this thing and the light show that Coldplay put on for clocks was just completely intense but everything they did was brilliant and I think that I've been to see them loads of times now and then when I met my girlfriend which is now my wife she loved Coldplay and she loves them like a million times harder than me to be fair but uh, yeah, it's just really, really good memories. I actually thought the video was shot where I'm from. And I remember <laughs> looking. So there's it's shot on a beach and it's a one shot. And that beach really looks like Benone Beach in Limavady. And I remember just it gets brighter as the video goes through. So the mm. video was supposed to be, you know, manipulated and it was supposed to look like the sun comes up and all of that kind of crack. But um, Will from the band's mama just died and it was the funeral. So the rest of the band aren't in the video. And they were like, Chris, you need to go and do it. It needs to be done. So the video is very different to what it was supposed to be. Mm. But the, the film has been manipulated and it gets brighter as it goes through. And I kept looking for Donny Gall in the background. It's like, <laughs> you can't see, you can't see Donny Gall. And these guys have come over to Ireland and they filmed their video on our beach. It wasn't filmed there at all. It just so happened to look like a little uh, bit of Benown Strand looking along to McGilligan. So sorry, that was completely wrong. And I was gutted when it was wrong because it convinced myself it was definitely Benown Beach. It was Limavady in your heart and that's all that matters. It was, don't let yeah. any facts, don't let any real facts or anything cloud your... <laughs> when, when, when have facts ever meant anything in this day and age? But no, exactly, yeah, I know. Never thought I'd say this, but I like it. I call, not a Coldplay Yay! fan. It almost seems like I'm the yeah, kind of person yeah, yeah. who would say, oh, I hate Coldplay, uh, uh, just to kind of be contrarian. And I, I'm not going to lie, I, I don't like everything they do, yeah. but this this works. I can, I, can, I can sit back and just say... I might not be the biggest fan of them, but I can respect the genius of it. Have you seen Crazy Rich Asians? I have, yeah, I have. It's in Crazy Rich Asians. There's an Asian version of it, which is just amazing, used in a wedding scene. And it's really... It's really, really good. And again, there was a debate about whether or not they could do it. And then the, the guy that was directing or producing the track said, listen, no one in the world can do this apart from me. Let me do it. Chris agreed. And then we got this like really beautiful Coldplay track in, in Asian. It's so, so good. It's really, really nice. Really lovely. So now we're going into a number five from Aaliyah. This is Try Again. You 
this is what I wanted pink to be. Yeah. Oh, a thousand percent. Yeah. This is exactly what pink was kind of meant to be. And, you know, Aaliyah, she had a little bit of the dark vibe. The production matched her and everything about it feels authentic. Whereas there was that question mark with pink. There you go. Still brilliant. But there was just something missing. Whereas we got all of the boxes ticked with this one. I think it's just a really really strong track it's my intro juice of the week I'm not surprised it's a Timberland production uh-huh. and he does these things in his sleep with his eyes closed yeah. his iconic voice is heard at the start it's all the way through it's very much a Timberland production you know he puts himself in the tracks but I think in these early days it certainly feels like he's more of a like a, a back in presence yeah. it still feels very much like Aaliyah's track like she's mm-hmm. she dominates this so well it really really was and he was still quite fresh and at the time yeah. they actually him Timbaland and Missy Elliott were working with her and you know Aaliyah at this point had been around for a long period of time in America you know she was a big big deal not so much here we hadn't really had any singles from her but she'd been in some films she'd done a lot of acting work and this is actually from Romeo Must Die but, <laughs> but, but, but was, before we go into the, the further of the song what the fuck is Romeo Must Die I, go- <laughs> I was looking into this it's a martial arts adaptation of Romeo and Juliet with have you Al- never heard of it? no with Aaliyah, oh, wow. Aaliyah making her acting debut and Jet Li uh-huh. and also the rapper DMX as in DMX what the fuck I know it's renowned for her and him having absolutely no chemistry really I'm not surprised but yeah I remember it was a big thing that's just nuts People, I think people at my school went to the cinema to see that and to go to our cinema, you know, you had to go over a mountain so you had to go out of your way to go to do that. <laughs> Literally climbing mountain school would Romeo must die with Jet Li. Nah, it was, it was, it was over that same Coleraine Mountain Road that I had to get that coach back from Kelly's the nightclub, you know. So I lived in a valley um, so you had to, to get out of it pretty much. You did have to go over some kind of a mountain in some way, shape or form or along the coastline to Derry. But um, it's, it's like a real dialogue just about her analysing a relationship before it's really started, wondering how it's going to play out. And, you know, in America, America America has so many confusing charts, right? It's yeah. got like the Billboard 100 for singles. It's got the Billboard 200 for albums. It's got the Billboard Hot 100, which was based on airplay, radio mm-hmm. airplay alone. Mm-hmm. And she was the first ever artist to top the Billboard 100 just on radio airplay only. So this song was huge. Like it was actually massive really yeah and i remember loving it really really loving it and just wondering what the future held for her unfortunately she died a few years later in a plane crash which was devastating yeah but it was so so good george michael sampled it <laughs> it's funny you've mentioned the the intention of the song and the the meaning of it but actually it was supposed to be about and and like sort of inspiring young people yeah but when they they heard it and they thought this this needs to be changed this needs to be about love and it, it's taken on a whole different meaning it's been reconfigured and it it works a charm doesn't it like she she's so vulnerable in the way she sings mm-hmm. but also very kind of assured the the production kind of lets her breathe as well the production's kind of deceptively complex like timberland you know showing off doing his thing yeah like it's a really rich production but a lot of emphasis put on her vocals and her lyrics. The production is said to be inspired by Acid House and Detroit Techno, which is, you know, a couple of interesting inspirations to bring to the table. It does have a little instrumental section where it kind of shows off and strips back some of the more intricate layers of the production. But again, it's just very much a showcase for her to just be 
cool and just be really really great like I just I, I, I don't remember this particularly I don't remember it at all but I am really glad it's coming to my life this was a track that made the world stand up and realise what we were getting was we were getting a superstar because she was tipped to be a superstar she was going to be a Beyonce she was going to be a Jennifer Lopez because you know Jennifer does everything she acts she sings she dances so she was going to be the biggest thing um, and that was that was pretty clear and this track was the track that was going to showcase that pretty much but mm. yeah it was just like a, a, a massive day. some people did find the synth sample a bit irritating just because it was a bit so futuristic little did they know that that was going to be the way that sound really went and actually yeah, she was well ahead of the curve worse was coming <laughs> yeah and that's it yeah. and you know she pretty much made Timberland and Missy Elliott just from allowing these newbies to come and work with her when she was so you know established already you know and she she has quite a history which I don't necessarily want to go into but you know if you go into her back catalogue She's got some great stuff, but she's got just a really sad backstory and a really sad ending. Mm, it is really tragic, but the track is a banger. It's huge. Love it. That's how we'll remember. Seven big tracks. It's been difficult, and I still don't feel like I know what I'm going to do. I still don't really know. Do you, do you know what you're doing um, yet? I think so. There, there's one that I kind of feel like um, I, I want to win. But uh, I don't think it's gonna for me. But I really, really, really think it's a very, very close tie. If I'm honest. Um, oh, okay, yeah. okay. We'll get straight into it. Then let's not mess about because we've got some big, big decisions to make. Scott, what are your contenders, and what is your episode winner for this week? I'm gonna have two runners up this week because Ooh. I think that uh, I deserve. It. I feel like I need to be giving people formal titles just to acknowledge them because it's easy when you come second to kind of be forgotten about. So totally, two runners up this week. I've got the legendary Aaliyah with Try Again. She's gonna be a runner up. Mm-hmm. But second runner up, the one that I'm I'm really torn about because for me it's not it's not a fully pop track yet, and I love where they go. And actually, they've got future contenders because of the way that they do stuff and the way it develops. My my runner up, official runner up, just being beaten by a tiny bit is Coldplay and Yellow. Ah, love, okay. it, love it, love it, love it, love it. Interesting, interesting. Um, I know, but I'm bringing Shania and Ireland together, and my episode winner this week is The Cores and Breathless. Ooh, that is Woo. exciting. Uh, whoever saw Scott, the Irish person, picking a Cores track, we're not being racist, but nah. we all we all sort of thought it might happen. Like my friend Joanna says, Breathless is the Asthmatics National Anthem. But I'm publishing. Let's just call the entire thing off now. It doesn't get any funnier than that, does it? <laughs> Liam, what's going in your pot? So I'm going to keep it really small this week. I, I'm not going to put the cause in. And I know I gave it quite a big build-up at the time, but I just... Ooh. I think I've got I've got to start being a bit more ruthless. Uh-huh. So Breathless isn't going to go in. But I do, I do really like it, but... Um, I do really like it, but it's it's not going to go in. Sorry. Mm-hmm. But I do like the SMTV sketch, and I hope that can go viral <laughs> as a result of this. Beautiful. Uh, my contenders are going to be... Summer of Love by Steps, okay, because it makes me feel very, very good, mm-hmm. very, very alive, uh, and it's just so much better than the the A side, which I just can't get my head around at all. And my other contender is going to be Aaliyah and Try Again. Wow, very different I tracks. Think it's a great, I think it's a great, great production. Mm-hmm. I think uh, her voice is sensational, and I just have so many regrets about what happened. Like for the for the entire history of her career, I just have so many regrets. So I think putting her in the contenders pot is kind of trying to make amends for that. Ooh. Okie doke then. So this is a difficult question. This this is the week where we could get. I feel for for our episode winners. This is where we could get told off because I think we've got such a strange pot that yeah. there's something for everybody, and there could be big winners. Really, have have we have our final ones? 
I don't know, have we? Mm. I don't know if we're missing a trick here, but... Okay, so Step Summer of Love versus Aaliyah Try Again, two very different ones. Yeah. What's going to be your episode winner? It's strange, because I think either of them are weird compared to Madison Avenue, aren't they? So whatever I pick's going to be a weird... <laughs> going to be a weird final battle. I'm going to go, as much as I love Summer of Love, I don't know if it's going to be a long... I don't know if it's going to be a long-standing, you know, contender going forward, but I think Aaliyah is kind of a is a really well-rounded, multifaceted pop production. So I'm going to choose Aaliyah, try again. Oh, I've got your back. I do I do agree with that. I, I do think that that's actually, when you put it like that, you know, and you think about it as a competitive track, it does hold its own. You know, it's a really, really strong track. It really, really does. There's so many different components and it just, it, it moves, it moves a lot. It does a lot of different things. And as I said in the episode, like Timberland's production is kind of really deceptive and not, not as obtrusive as it could have been. Yeah. Like it's mm-hmm. very it's very fancy and very flicky and flashy, but it's actually like it just does just let her do her thing, which I respect a lot. Cool. So now we've got the difficult choice. Yeah. So you have got Kylie Minogue spinning around. Surely, surely, surely not gonna be knocked off the top spot, but does stand a big challenge from the cause and breathless. Drone, please. But did Kylie have a number one and a number two album in the UK charts side by side? No, and she then didn't. do the follow-up track. So the cores <sighs> kept their own the whole way through the 90s, which compromises everything, really. Or does it? It actually doesn't. Guess who's staying on top? Kylie, spin it around. Ah, <laughs> you're too good at this. Oh, I'm just a tease. It's going to get boring pretty soon, like three weeks ago. Sorry. We're going to have trust issues. <laughs> when this, when we're allowed back outside again, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to be able to come near you. I mean, no. like, just, I just, can't, I can't even look you in the eyes right now. You lied to me. Who just thought that the, <sighs> the naughtiest naughty would develop a sociopath? This is great. So we need to get your final winner. So you've got Aaliyah Try Again versus Madison Avenue. Don't call me, baby. Let's hit you with a drone. I still really don't know. I still really don't know. And, and again, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let a little secret here. We've done this bit before mm-hmm. and I had to re-record because my voice, I lost my voice during the recording, so it didn't sound very good. And I've had a week to think about this and I still don't know. And the, the other day I was like, I think I've decided. I'm editing. I think I've, I think I've, I've decided I've nailed it, but I still, <laughs> I still don't really know. I'm going to just sort of close my eyes and just sort of pick one randomly. Oh, let me hum them in my head a little quickly first. No, no, no. Oh man, I am gonna go. I think Madison Avenue's had a really good run, and I am really, really risking the wrath of uh-huh. of people who of people who've been in my corner until this point. Uh-huh. Hopefully, they can understand though. Hopefully, they can understand that Aaliyah Try Again is a really, really good track, and anybody who's been in my corner of Madison Avenue you can easily just sort of transport themselves across to my new corner. I am gonna do something really wild. I'm gonna say. Try again by Aaliyah. Oh, ooh, yeah. ooh. you don't sound sure. I, I, I'm really not. I'm really, really not. I'm gonna have to like. I'm gonna have to get my locks changed because I think I'm gonna have like angry Madison Avenue fans brain at my door for that one. Oh man. I think Madison Avenue fans are lovely, lovely people. I think you've made the right choice. You know, there you go. I don't think anybody's gonna be bringing your door down. Gets more difficult every week, but I want to know what other people have chosen. Yeah, certainly. If you want to hear the track listing for next week to see what could potentially knock Try Again or Kylie Minogue off the top spot, then do tune in to TNNX on Monday. We've got Destiny's Child. We've got some Santana. got some Atomic Kitten. And we're talking about a possible 2020 Garage Revival. Wouldn't that just be superb Um, Scott thank you very much as always and we'll see you next week laters